You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we believe every mom is uniquely designed by God for his purpose, but also a part of something much bigger than she could ever be alone. Authors and moms, Erin Mooring and Brooke McLaughlin. Hey, that's us. Hey, it is. We're going to help you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Listen in on real life conversations with the experts about real issues parents face today and learn practical ways to focus on Christ as you seek wisdom and hope for the difficult job of raising children in today's world. If you're ready to handle life with grace because you've been in the presence of God, you're in the right place. Here are your hosts, teachers, writers, speakers, moms, and lovers of all things cozy, comfortable, and coffee-related, Brooke and Erin. Hey there, friends. Welcome to episode four of the Million Praying Moms podcast. Erin, today's topic is pretty serious, right? It is. We've had some great topics, and this one we're going to dive in a little more heavy But um, the vision of Million Praying Moms is to help you stop thinking about prayer as your last resort and instead to make it your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. And Brooke, you've often said that prayer is the most important but most overlooked part of Christian parenting, and I really believe that's true. But today, we're going to talk about when the worst happens to one of those precious children we pray for. So before we dive in, we want to tell you about how you can get more involved in the ministry of Million Praying Moms by becoming a Million Praying Moms founding member. Yes, founding memberships are available only to the first 1,000 moms to respond, and it includes the summer 2019 edition of Pray the Word Journal, and we are praying through the book of Psalms. Yay! we, you will also get a new edition of the journal each quarter, a beautiful Million Praying Moms decal that can be used on your favorite mug, water bottle, laptop, on your car, and a beautiful 5 by 7 frameable art piece to remind you that you are one in a million. That's right. You're uniquely designed by God for his purposes, and we're so much more together than we could ever be alone. So the summer 2019 edition, Erin, I'm pretty pumped about it because we've really just been excited to pray together through the Psalms. It takes us on a journey through all of those beautiful Psalms that, you know, of David and and just gorgeous, wonderful, beautiful things. And I think it's perfect for summertime. So if you're one of the moms listening today that really could just use a summer that brings you a clean slate, a fresh start, or maybe you just need, you know, maybe like us, you've been so busy with all the things, the sports, the end of the year things, even even good things like church activities and just all the stuff that we have that ends our school year. If that's you and you'd like to take the summer to refocus your worship on the things of God and really get your heart right, this edition is perfect for your summer. You can pre-order your copy right now at PrayTheWordJournal.com. Yes, Pray the Word Journal is the prayer journal for busy moms like you, like me, like all of us. And it has helped moms from all walks of life make prayer a practical priority. So go ahead and pre-order yours today. Become a Million Praying Moms founding member at PrayTheWordJournal.com. Okay, Erin, let's dive into our show for today. Two years ago, I can't even believe it's been two full years ago, but it has. Two full years ago on May the 3rd, 2017, 
Brooks Murray was at a track meet with his brother. They just happened to be two of a set of quadruplets, which is really kind of awesome. Like how many quadruplets do you know apart from them? Um, none. I don't either. I think they're the only ones I know. <laughs> I think they're the only ones. So they're really a special group of kids. And you and I have had the privilege to kind of follow along you know, from a distance um, with their lives over the years, which is neat. But on this particular night, it was, it was very special, but special maybe not necessarily in a good way, at least to start with, but it was special for the Murray family in a completely different way. Right. So after running the mile event, Brooks collapsed and emergency workers could not find a pulse. And that's where our story for today's episode begins. All right. Jen Murray is a mother of five boys, four of whom, like we said, are quadruplets. She blogs at fortunate.net talking about life with quads plus one. And as a longtime friend of ours, we cannot wait to introduce you to her. Jen, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Brooke and Erin. I am just so thankful to have an avenue to share our story and just hopefully use what the Lord has put in our lives to comfort others, to minister to others, and just share His glory. So thanks for having me. We are thankful that you are here to share that. And let's just get right to it, because what happened to you guys that night at the track meet can be described as nothing short of a parent's worst nightmare, right? Yes. So tell us some details. I don't think I ever would have imagined, you know, your kid going down with a cardiac arrest. I mean, you think of that as something that happens to older people or unhealthy people. And here I have um, four super active, healthy boys. Um, My two of them were involved in a running club. And so they were there that night at a community event that our um, town did. And so their running club was there along with all the elementary schools in our area. So they'd done several events and like it can be in in spring, particularly this spring in Indiana, it was rainy and cold and 40 some degrees. And we were all just kind of huddling together for that last event. And um, the boys were, you know, they're boys. They love the rain. They don't care about the cold. And And so some families were leaving, but they just decided let's combine all these kids into one event for the finale. And so they were running the mile. Um, Brooks was in, I think, fifth or sixth place out of, you know, over a hundred kids that were running. And actually, because he's, he's just a quick kid, he and Henry both um, had lapped some kids in the process. So it got kind of chaotic as far as figuring out who was on what lap and they started to go an extra lap. Um, So one of the high schoolers that was volunteering actually was able to get Henry back, but Brooks was so far ahead that he was um, on his fifth lap of the race. So, um, you know, we just kind of laughed about it from the stands. Isaac, my other son, was in the stands with me. And as he came around that third uh, turn of the fifth lap, um, he kind of just uh, gently went into the grass and then fell into the grass. And so, as a mom from the stands, I'm thinking, okay, he's being a little bit dramatic because he's figured out like, oh, I ran too far and I feel silly. Or I thought, um, you know, another thought that went in my head was just, oh, he's exhausted. He's purely exhausted. He's done several events. Um, the weather's not great and he's given it his all. Like a lot of, I mean, I think a lot of moms have seen that at track events, right? 
Yes. So, um, you know, he, I'm watching from up in the stands and then I noticed like, he's not really moving and it started to really bother me. I mean, it went from, okay, I don't want to be a helicopter mom to I've got to get to my child. Right. And so, um, I asked Isaac to stay in the stands and I said, I'll be right back thinking, you know, the worst that had happened is maybe he's passed out or gotten really dehydrated. So, you know, that was probably one of the longest moments of my life from getting stands to him. And by the time I got down there through the crowd, um, I remember hearing from people that were gathered around him, I can't find a pulse, begin CPR. And so um, I remember looking up at this guy that was kind of leaned over him and seeing a um, nurse's badge swinging back and forth in the in the wind. And I thought, okay, um, they know what they're doing. I need to get out of here as a mom, like as a mom they're they've got him covered. And, um, my next thought was, um, I don't want to lose him alone. Um, it was already hard that, um, usually Brad and I do, my husband and I do everything together and he had had a meeting at the church that night. And so we were separated and, um, I thought, okay, I've got to call him and, and let him know right away. So I called and um, he was in the basement of our church and wasn't great connection. And so, you know, and I couldn't even, <laughs> you know, it's those crazy moments that you can't even do the most simple things. And I could not use my phone for the life of me. <laughs> I could not right. figure out how to dial a number on the phone, you know, something you do every day. And um, finally I realized I can like hit the button and say, Hey Siri, call Brad Murray. And so I did that. The reception knocked us off a few times, but um, one of those times that he did answer, he heard the counting in the background, one and two and three. And he thought, um, oh my goodness, that sounds like CPR, but not knowing that it was his own kid. So he races upstairs, was able to get a connection, called me back and began the process of getting to me, which was really only just like a five minute away um, road, you know, on the road. So he and another elder came by, um, was able to pick him up and um, take him to the track. And the whole way to the track, um, first of all, I feel like the grace of the Lord was just on us to, for me to be able to tell him what was going on very calmly. Right. Um, yeah. I was able to give him all the details. And, um, and he, in turn, was able to just pray an amazing prayer. Um, almost shouting it in my ear, honestly, uh, just giving Brooks to the Lord um, and asking him, begging him to give us life back to Brooks, um, but saying that he was ultimately his and that we trusted him with his life. And so that was an incredible experience. And Clark, um, Brooks's twin brother, they're quadruplets, but he is um, identical twin in that mix was in the back of the van experiencing all of that at the same time. So, you know, I'm on the phone with him. I'm, I'm yelling at Brooks to breathe. I'm, you know, taking this all in almost as a spectator. Um, but they worked on him for about seven to eight minutes and he would come in and out a little bit. They would roll him on his side and you would see his eyes kind of flutters and, and his eyes kind of roll back in his head and you make these gargling sounds that were just awful <laughs> to experience as a mom. Um, 
And one of the third or fourth rounds of CPR, um, all of a sudden you saw him just coming to incredible experience. And um, he, by then some medical professionals were there, EMT, I think fire department and um, gathered all around him. And you can see him just panic, like this panic in his eyes, like, what is happening to me? Why are all these people around me? And he raises up and he starts fighting. And I was so relieved to see that fight. Like here, I'm just praying, like, fight, fight, like, come back to us, you know, breathe, breathe, buddy. And um, he was just fighting, like just sitting up trying to fight everybody off of him, which was an amazing experience. And that's when Brad had said on his prayer, like, we give him to you, no matter what happens, he is yours to take. And so, yeah, so he was loaded up in the ambulance from there. And, you know, we had an eight day stay in the hospital, but he was whole and it was nothing short of miraculous from everything that we've heard. I mean, um, after three minutes, two to three minutes down without oxygen, you know, you start going into brain damage and just a lot of, a lot of scenarios that could have been terrifically life altering for our family and God get, chose to give him back whole to us. So yeah, that's our May 3rd. <laughs> wow. I just, it's just really difficult to even take that in as a mom and try and, and picture, um, you know, what that felt like to you and just everything. So I imagine it took quite a while after it happened to absorb the details of what happened that day, because you're, like you said, you were kind of an observer. You felt like you were a little bit of an observer, just yelling at your child, breathe, breathe. And, and then as you look back, you know, as it takes time to process things, um, I wonder if you had little nuggets that you could see that you could look uh, back on and see where the Lord specifically blessed you in certain ways. So I, you know, I've not experienced even anything remotely close to what you guys have experienced with your children and, and neither has Aaron, but I have been through a season of loss where um, we, my husband and I were talking about it today and we realized it was 11 years ago yesterday that we lost my uncle Bob and we were a very close family and it started his death started this in, entire season of loss for us. We lost um, six people that were close to our family in a very short amount of time. And then the last loss that we had, the seventh loss that we had was the miscarriage of our third child. And so I went through this season where I just felt like I was kind of getting sucker punched by God over and over again. Like we just kept losing people. And, but in the middle of that, in the middle of that season, I can look back starting with my uncle Bob's death and his funeral. And I can see these little nuggets of beauty that God gave us in each of those losses. Like if I were to go back, I could take the time right now to go back and recount for you the way that I saw the Lord's hand, just giving us something to hang on to of beauty in the midst of tragic loss. And I'm wondering now that you've had some time, two years to reflect on, on that experience could you share, like, were there things as you look back that you can see those little nuggets that God gave your family? Yeah, I mean, there was, I think it's still unfolding, you know, as we walk this journey, but there was so much even just in that night um, and how he provided 
um, the people, you know, that were just bystanders in the crowd. I'd never seen them before. And we ended up finding out the next day, you know, through different people that were connected that we had a respiratory therapist, a NICU nurse, and a ICU heart nurse. Um, that were the first three people that responded to him. So that's who gave him incredible CPR for that long. And so that's one thing for sure. And yeah, it was a super traumatic time. Um, just walking through that with Brooks and just the scariness and the unknowns. And there's still honestly a lot of unknowns for our family, just knowing that it's probably a genetic condition and there's, um, you know, just a lot of unknowns as far as could, could one of our other boys go down with it. But along that same time, my dad passed away um, right before Brooks was supposed to have his surgery to get an internal defibrillator placed. He died that week. And um, yeah, there was just a lot of just hard, really hard that we'd never experienced as a family before. But there was just beauty in that brokenness, you know, um, just how God orchestrated so many details together and even prepared us. I think um, I'd had a miscarriage two years before that and um, just how he placed different scriptures in our, in our midst through that and just kind of had prepared our hearts through to walk through something hard again. And even through um, our friend Stacy, you know, Mm -hmm. Her husband had went through something eerily similar, yeah. and we had this entire group um, already already formed and praying for him, and it was just a, a ready and waiting to go to battle for us. So that was incredible um, how that was placed. Um, and then, yeah, just Hudson being 11 months old, 10 months old at the time, he was just pure rainbow joy, you know, like he provided some, we um, had him set up to live in the bathroom while we were in the hospital and he just provided and continues to provide so much comic relief and joy. And so, yeah, just a lot. And then another thing is, you know, the Lord just uses your kids to teach you so much. Mm -hmm. And we as a family had just read The Hiding Place um, by Corey Ten Boom. And we had no idea then that, you know, as Corita Beam is thanking, I think her sister's thanking the Lord for the fleas. And that was something that stuck with us in that concentration camp, you know. And um, Clark, when I, I came home from the hospital one night to just be with the boys, and I ended up writing Clark's prayer down because I was like, oh my goodness, like out of the mouth of babes, right? Mm-hmm. But he prayed one of the nights that I was home with him while Brooks, his identical twin, was in the hospital. He said, "Uh, Lord, it says in the Bible to give thanks in all circumstances. So thank you for stopping Brooks's heart because it made our faith stronger. Mm. (laughs) Calm Brooks's heart, calm mom and daddy's heart, and help us be strengthened. And so, I mean, what could you ask for more, you know, just beauty in that? in that time. So yeah, he used a lot of things along the way and continues to. It's really awesome. I love that. I always, you know, have that experience and I've found that as I walk with other people through tragedy, I constantly find myself saying, look for the nuggets, Hmm. look for the things that 
God is going to give you, the ways that he's going to meet you, the little pieces of beauty, like a child's prayer or just providing the right people at the right time, or, you know, your husband fighting, literally fighting in prayer on the way um, to, to get to you and your son. Just, I always say, look for the nuggets. If you look for them, they will be there because God is never far away. Even when we feel like, how could you have let this happen to us? He's never, ever far away. And he's constantly providing, you know, I really think those are miracles. We um, had a conversation with my older son the other day and he said, mom, why doesn't God provide big miracles anymore? Like he did in the Bible, you know, like in the old Testament where he parted the red sea and he raised from the dead. And I, and I thought of you all, and I thought of our friend Stacy's husband, Mike. And I thought, well, actually he does still raise from the dead, <laughs> he does do that. but I think those, those little nuggets like that, those are miracles too. And we don't always look for them because we expect the bigger things. But a lot of times the joy and the peace and the comfort that we need to get through these terrifying life circumstances come in the smaller things rather than the bigger things. Yeah, absolutely. We, um, and I also think that God gives us a revelation of those little nuggets to tell other people like they're, they're not just for ourselves. We need to be able to praise him in those little nuggets that came out of loss because so many people will sit in their loss and not see God. And when we tell our stories and and have those things that he's shown us in the middle of it, it helps reorient, reorient other people's perspective as well. Um, just earlier this spring, I just happened to be at school, not just happened, but we know this is God, but mm-hmm. I just happened to have come to the elementary school to watch my middle schoolers group perform at the elementary school. And literally as I walked down the hallway to go get a seat to watch them perform, a teacher came running past me saying a fifth grader just had a seizure uh, call. We just called 911. And my first words were, what fifth grader? And it didn't register with her at the time that it was my child and my, and it was, it was my son. She ran past and then came back quickly and said, it's, it's your son. And I was already there and I can't thank God enough that I was already there. Cause I don't think I could have driven to school with mm-hmm. that in my mind. And, uh, I was able to go right to him and he had come to already and he had, this best friend that would not leave his side. Even when the teacher asked him to, he had a teacher that my older son had had and that he had had, and that we are really good friends with that was right there with him. And there just happened to be another teacher right across the hall that was able to help her out. And all of these nuggets in the middle of just being like, where did this come from? This is not, not my child. This isn't supposed to happen. They're healthy. Like you said, nothing wrong before this point. And, um, it, it, it was just a miracle to me, like those little miracles, like, why doesn't God do big miracles? Well, he does, but they just, you know, they feel big to us. They might look little to other people. And he was able to get checked out right away. And we were later able to determine that it was actually more of a a passing out episode that looked like a seizure. Um, but I, I just, I had to tell people like, how was I there already on the day that this would happen at the very moment it happened? I was already at the school that alone 
is one of those nuggets of beauty, even though it sounds awful. But to me, the fact that I didn't have to drive to school in that emotional state, the fact that I was able to go right to him and be right with him right after it happened, those are nuggets of beauty to me. And I was able to talk to teachers later in that day after we had taken him to the doctor and home. I came back to pick up his homework and they were talking at a public school in the office about how amazing God was that all these things lined up in that way. And when I came back and told them I was here, like, and they're like that only God could do that. That's amazing. And I just thank God for that opportunity, even though it felt awful. Like nobody wants to experience those kinds of things, but would we have had that conversation otherwise? You know, that in itself, being able to tell what God has done in the middle of a scary time is a nugget of beauty. And um, I love the prayer you just shared. Um, Like the things that kids say can just totally change how we think about prayer. So I want to understand more for your family. Um, You said that, that Clark had prayed this prayer, but what does an event like what happened to Brooks do to your prayer life? Like, do you think that it strengthened it for you? Did it weaken it for a time? I mean, it, it affects everyone in a different way. So how did that play out for you? You know, at first, initially, I didn't even know what to pray. You know, you're in that shock um, state and you don't sleep and you have all the trauma and, you know, you just don't even know how to pray. I mean, you're so grateful that you have a kid alive, but it's just such a shocking thing to walk through. So that's um, when I just became so grateful for the body of Christ, you know, that was rallying for us and that was um, holding up our hands and, and, and giving prayer, you know, words when we just didn't have any. Um, and I think, you know, just don't take, uh, lightly when you say that you're going to pray for people that go through dramatic or traumatic things, because those prayers are not wasted. Um, I remember turning around when I was trying to get reception with Brad on the phone and seeing this lady with her hands just raised to the heavens, praying for my son. Never met her before, never seen her before, still don't know who she was. Um, And then hearing later on, like, yeah, people were gathered in circles praying and people were up in the middle of the night praying and, um, you know, just prayerless and church groups and just so many things like do not take those for granted. Like you're, um, it's just so appreciated. And so, so needed, especially when you feel that season of um, just quiet, you know, of just not knowing what to do. But I think in the two years of this journey, you know, obviously it's just, it even goes back to Brad's prayer from that, from that night of just, Lord, they're yours. And just constantly having to re-surrender that because I want protection and I want safety and I want things to, um, be normal, you know, like that's, that's where I want to live. Um, but that's not what the Lord has for us. And I, we just have to trust that this is his best. And so it's that surrender over and over in my prayers of, um, you know, even I read in first Samuel this week about, um, Hannah and you know how she gave Samuel to the Lord before he was even conceived, you know? And so, um, she says like first Samuel one, 27 says for this child, I prayed and the Lord has granted me my petition. 
that I made to him. Therefore, I've lent him to the Lord. And as long as he lives, he's lent to the Lord. And so that just has to continue to be our prayer, especially in the unknowns of just, you know, do another, does another one of our kids have something? Um, you know, we carry an AED with us at all places now. Um, and so, yeah, our, our normal has changed greatly. And so we just have to constantly be in that surrender of Lord, thank you. Thank you for this day and this life and this opportunity to live with our kids whole. And, um, and we trust you that, you know, heaven is, heaven is better. And we trust you with their lives here on earth as long as you'll, you'll grant that. So still working on that. (laughs) Yeah. It's a constant thing. I think, you know, whether you're maybe especially if you've never had anything like that happen to one of your children, this is really eye opening. It's an eye opening reminder to us that our kids are not ours. You know, we get so worried about what's going to happen to them and ultimately living in the space, you know, it might, it might not feel very freeing to have to carry around specific equipment with you everywhere and those kind of things. But the process that you've been through is somewhat freeing in the knowledge that you, you really have firsthand knowledge um, and experiential knowledge that your children are not your own. And most of us listening today have not been through that. And so for us, it's, it's so eye-opening and freeing to remember that they're not ours and that if we make a mistake or if something goes wrong, that God's plan is still good and it's still right. And he loves them so much more than we do. So I love that. We would love, I think our audience would love to know, um, you know, it's been two years. How are things with Brooks now? Yeah, remarkably well. He's doing um, great in school. He's able to do a lot. Um, you know, as a 12-year-old boy, we have to remind him of that sometimes, mm-hmm. <laughs> of what he can do versus what he can't do because, you know, he was a runner. He loved to run. He um, he just looked like he was made to run, you know, just that perfect stride and effortless run, but he could run three miles and barely be out of breath. It was kind of disgusting, but, um, you know, there's a few restrictions on his life, um, but overall, he's doing remarkably well. Um, he has a internal defibrillator. So if he goes into another arrhythmia, like he did that night, um, it would shock him. He's been shocked once since that was back in August after his cardiac arrest, he, um, had a shock. So that was kind of another reality of going, Oh, there really is something wrong with him. Um, but you know, he's being monitored constantly. He's on, Um, a beta blocker just to help with his rhythm, but there's still just a lot of unknowns as far as our family goes. And there's only so much, you know, that you can test genetically and things like that. So there's still things up in the air that we just have to um, keep living. And we have kind of a hashtag that we go by as we get to do this. And so just everything that we are able to experience, we just want to take that in gratitude. So, yeah. And how has God answered prayer for him? Has he, does he talk about that at all? Have there been prayers that he has um, prayed that God has answered or maybe answered differently from what your family may have wanted? And how do you deal with that? Has he talked about, you know, his, you know, his prayers or for you even seeing prayers answered differently since then? Yeah, it's been a process for all of us. Um, 
I think, you know, trauma just does that and it takes some time. And so even recently it's been, um, you know, he used to not want to talk about it and it was just a really hard emotional thing for him, uh, to get through. But just the other night at dinner, he thanked the Lord for saving his life. And so, um, that may not sound like a, a big thing because you would kind of expect that out of him, but it was a huge, huge thing. And so it's neat to see the Lord working in his life and just processing that and growing and maturing. And, you know, we don't handle it well, even as, um, people who have followed the Lord for years and years. And so just to, you know, I think we had to adjust our own expectations for him too, of just, you don't have that instant gratitude and you don't have the spiritual maturity of, um, years and years with, uh, you know, 10 to 12 year old kids. So, um, it's been, it's been a neat, a neat thing to just see God working in him and working in all of our hearts through it. Awesome. Okay. So as we try and wrap things up today, Jen, this has just been so powerful and I think so wonderful. Um, we would love to know, and this is something we ask all of our guests, what is one verse or maybe one passage from the Bible that you are currently praying for Brooks or, you know, it could extend to the other boys as well, but specifically, what are you praying for him right now? Um, I think for all of us, you know, we're still praying that we would have um, courage and, and boldness. And just as we have opportunities to share our story that, that God would get the glory in that. But second um, Timothy one seven has been really good um, for our God gave us a spirit of not of fear, but of power, love and self-control. And, you know, with four 12 year old boys, we need that self-control bit a lot. <laughs> wow. I can't I really know what you're talking about. No, no clue. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but another, uh, if I can add one more, I know you're like probably just on one verse, but when we were in the hospital, I, I prayed this verse a lot over Brooks was, um, Psalms 27, 13 and 14 was, I believe I should look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, wait for the Lord, be strong and take, and let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. And I just love, I love so much about that verse. And I love that he tells us to wait for him twice because we need to hear it again. Right. And, um, just even that heart is in that verse. I just, I felt like that was just, um, really personal for us. So I've always loved that verse too. And I think the part that really grabs me is that it says in the land of the living, right? Right. You know, now there, there is goodness of God to be seen right here, right now in this space, Mm-hmm. Um, and we just have to keep believing that we're going to see that. So that's beautiful. Wonderful choices. Yes. Um, like this is really powerful to hear your story firsthand and to, um, see what God did in all of it. And we know that he's not done with any of you yet. So we are thankful for you sharing your story to bring him glory and to tell of what he's done. We would love to let our listeners know where they can keep up on your story. So how can they be following along? Yeah, so I have not um, blogged since Brooks went down, <laughs> but I used to blog at fortunate.net with the number four, um, and so yeah, on Instagram, I'm Quattro Mama, and I'm Jen Murray on Facebook as well, and I've just been sh- sharing tidbits as we go. Eventually, I would love to write more. Again, it's just hard. It's hard when you go through something big like that to put words to it, so yeah, one of these days. 
even around your even around our house your quattro mama when i say <laughs> when i say i talked to jen you know quattro mama and my husband's like yeah i know who you're talking about <laughs> that's hilarious that's awesome because i'm always aaron you know aaron home with the boys yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never get away from those you know, I know. that's all right awesome. it's, our, it's like awesome. a last name now you know that's right that's right well i'm just so thankful that you know I feel like God prepared us a long time ago for even these moments that he's used for us to pray for each other. So Amen. I'm thankful for your friendships and your faithfulness. And yeah, thank you. Amen. We couldn't do it if we weren't doing this together. I yeah. believe that. Yeah. Amen. All right, guys, that's it for today. Jen, thank you again so much for being a part of the podcast. We will see you guys next week for another episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast. The love of God is immeasurable. It's unchanging. It's indescribable. Because God loves you so much, you can sleep through the night in peace. With Abide Bible Sleep Meditation, you can fall asleep fast with relaxing sleep stories based on Scripture. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Bible Sleep Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.